Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Amen. Hey, um, well, as, the, as they are heading around, I have the honor and privilege. Um, he's quickly becoming... He's in the running for it. I wouldn't say he's there yet, but quickly become like a spiritual father to me. He's an amazing guy. He's like a spiritual uncle right now. Um, but we're getting really close. We played golf a lot on Friday. Uh, he's got a mean golf game. Uh, but um, I, we have the privilege of, of having Pastor Steve uh, preaching this morning. So give him a round of applause. Amen. Love you, buddy. When, when Tyler says I've got a mean golf game, what he means is that all the houses that line up next to the fairway need to watch their windows because they don't know what's coming their way. Uh, good morning, everyone. It really is so good to be here with you all this morning, and uh, I'm really excited for, for what I believe God's really placed on my heart for, like, honestly, the last two months has been just a stirring that... Uh, that he really wants me to speak on one of our pillars. We, we are doing our series of the pillars, but it's a pillar of family. And really to talk about family, to talk about uh, just that family is God's idea. Amen? And, and how many of you love revival? Good, I'm in good company. We want his presence, right? We want revival. We want everything there is about him. And that includes family. Do you know that? Oh, come on. You know that. That includes family. That includes everything that God has. He is a triune God. So before he created us, he was already community. So when he creates us, he creates us into relationship. So when we say we want more of him, he's actually inviting us into that place of understanding relationships, understanding how we function together with people. Isn't it amazing when we get born again that it doesn't just zoop, we go up to heaven and we disappear? But he puts us into community. And some of us will be like, I want Jesus, but I don't want this community. Mm-hmm. Some of us have been in those places. And he's like, you're in the right place right now where I want you. And I'm going to speak a little bit into this because I think that, unfortunately, we, we, have, we have separated out these things. We have made one thing greater than another, and we, we've somehow, you know, it's like we've compartmentalized, well, this is my spiritual walk, and in this part, when we start talking about relationships, is somehow not my spiritual walk. And you're going to see that your relationships dictate your spiritual walk. There are going to be some light bulb moments. We're going to touch on family today. We're going to touch on marriage. And for those of you who feel like disconnecting, because you might say, well, I'm not married. Well, the principles I'm going to talk about have to do with relationships. And so there'll be some things that you need to listen about that have to do with friendships and how you relate to friends. But there are also some of you who aren't married who you're going to get married and there are going to be principles in here that you need to listen to because one day you'll be sitting there facing some stuff and it'll be like, oh, I remember something about a sermon that was preached a while ago. Amen? 
So what I'm basically saying is do not check out at any point because you're going to miss out. Amen. So we're going to get going. Genesis 2, you'll cut you I'll, I'll explain where that comes from, okay? You're all a little bit like, what on earth are you talking about there, naked and unashamed? Okay, Genesis 2 verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay, a couple of questions with this. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. Keep up with me. It'll be on the screen though. When was this? Was this before or after the fall? Before the fall. Okay, interesting point. When God creates nature, he says it is good, right? So in verse four, he creates light, he says it is good. In verse 10, he creates the earth and the seas, he says it is good. In verse 13, he creates vegetation, it is good. Verse 18, he creates the heavens, sun, moon, and stars, he says it is good. He's starting to follow. Verse 21, he creates all the living creatures, he says. Verse 31, he's with man, he says it is very good. It's interesting that God says about creation, it's good. But when it comes to you, he says, very good. So when you're struggling with your identity at times, remember that this is what God said about you. You're not the same as creation. You're not a glorified ape with all due respect. You are very good created in his image. But it's interesting that he goes through all of these things. Good, 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 very good. And then he stops and says, you know what? There's something that's not good. There's something here in the perfection of Eden. He looks down, he says, mm, there's something that's not good here. And it wasn't sin because sin wasn't there yet. It was the fact that man was alone. God's in relationship with Adam, perfect relationship. But he still turns around and says, it is not good. I was thinking about that and it's like, that's, that's almost, and please hear my heart on this. I'm not in any way disrespecting God, but it's almost a bit of a diss to God. For him who's in perfect relationship with man to turn around and say that where man is at right now is not good enough. And I'm wrestling with that. But you see, God looks down and he says, you know what? I've created man in my image. Man is created for relationship. So even though I'm walking in the garden with him, there's something that is still not good enough. He needs someone there. And you see, relationships are not something that God looks and says, hey, this is, this is my second best plan. This is what I'm gonna give you after the fall because before you had me and everything was great, but after the fall, I kicked you out of the garden and you didn't have that relationship with me. Now I'm gonna give you a spouse. No, 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 my friends. God spoke into being that this was his plan before the fall. And it's important for us to shift our mentality because I've heard Christians talk about the fact, no, just give me Jesus, don't give me people. Yeah. Jesus is enough, uh, not according to my Bible. And I'm, and I'm trying to break that foundation in your heart because when we realize that actually the whole way through scripture, God is constantly breaking this down. You need people, you need people, you need people. 
That's what family is about. How many of you know that one of the things that happened in COVID was that Satan separated people? Depression went up, suicides went up, and it's been hard for the church to get people to come back. And this has been one of the things people say, no, 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 but I'm good. I'll just watch everything online. Oh, you can get a sermon online. You can soak and worship online, but you won't have a relationship online. And if you've fallen into that trap, you've fallen right into Satan's hands because this is outside of the will of God. That he said, family is what you need. I've created you for a relationship. People say, I don't need church. I need church. I need people around me. We all do. It's what he made us for. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the closer we get to the end times, there's gonna be pressure according to this not to meet. I do not believe, and I'm not prophesying, but I do not believe COVID will be the last time there'll be pressure on the church not to meet. Why? Because this scripture only makes sense that it says, as you get closer to the end, do not forsake it. In other words, it's gonna get easier and easier to just take the easy way out. But he's gonna say, man, you need this. You need each other. Ephesians 1, verse 16 to 19 I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. We've been touching on it. In the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Now look at this. That what are the riches of his glorious inheritance where? Paul is praying that their eyes would be open to the inheritance found in the saints. Not in their prayer closets, not in the word of God, but in the people around them. Your inheritance, what God has for you, is in the people around you. And what Satan wants to do, he wants to remove you and say, you know what? I know that guy rubbed you up the wrong way, so just ignore it. You don't need to go there. And you step away. And what you've done is you've stepped away from your inheritance. Why? Because what that guy has for you is your inheritance. And maybe, just maybe, that rubbing up the wrong way is gonna develop character in you that's gonna take you the next season. So that boss, when you arrive and you're late and he's giving you attitude the whole day, Maybe it's going to teach you to be on time for work. Mm-hmm. We don't like to hear this. We all want the amen sermon. But when it's time for the promotion to come, maybe you're about to be overlooked because they can't rely on you to be on time. So God's like, would you be willing to take a rebuke? Would you be willing for someone who's speaking to your life? And if you'll actually be teachable for a moment, you are promoting yourself in the future. 
There's an inheritance for you going to step into, but it's found in people around you. This is why we believe that family is one of our pillars. God has placed you to be part of who he is in other people. Who he is in other people. Look at this scripture. We all know that Paul was, was, uh, was coming against the church. He was fighting against them. But look here in Acts 9 verse 4. He gets struck down and, and the voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute who? Me. Last time I checked, Paul was persecuting, or Saul here, was persecuting the church. But Jesus doesn't define it that way. He's like, you are persecuting me. You see, Jesus, when he looks at his bride, he says, that's my body. What you're doing to them, you're doing to me. So we all wanting our inheritance from him. And he's saying, well, the inheritance, yes, there's, there's an element we get. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But he's also saying that the element of inheritance is in the body. And are you getting it? Are you, are you gaining from that? Look at the next scripture. Matthew 25 verse 40. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, if you know the context of that scripture, he's saying if you give a cup of water to the least of a person on the street, you've done for him. And it blows our minds because he's saying, listen, would you start to recognize that there's something in people that I take personally? That person who cuts you off on the road, Next time, just before you're about to let him know how you feel, think about the fact that Jesus is like, well, whatever you do to the least of these you've done to me. Woo! All of a sudden, we'll be like, okay, bless you, brother. I was going to do something else, but now I'm going to hold back a little bit. Changes the way we see the world. Amen? Hmm. There is something of God in people. I'm not saying that people are God. Okay, I'm definitely not saying that. But when God created us, He created us in His image. And He wants us to treat people with respect and honor. Amen? Relationships are key to a believer's life. We want His presence we want prayer, we want revival. But those are not separated. They're not separate entities. I don't wake up in the morning and, you know, which pillar am I going to focus on today? Is this my prayer day? Is this my presence day? Is this my revival day? Is this my family day? No, 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 no. No. It's everything of Him. We don't get to choose. That's why when, when Jackie and I arrived here from South Africa now, it's about eight months ago when he first arrived, one of the first things we did was, was we actually started um, what we'd call a house church or a connect group in our, in our home. And you know, we didn't do that because we're like, man, we've got so much we've got to give. Let's get people into our house. Let's do, no, no, we did it because 
we need people. And so we were like, you know what? We're just going to invite people to our house because we need it. And, and we had that recognition that there's a void in our lives without people. And I don't look to the church to be a dating service. What do I mean by that? A lot of us will look that the church is going to be the one to connect me with someone else. That's called a dating service. So we arrive on a Sunday, uh, please help me meet someone. And I'm not talking about dating. I'm talking about like, what do you guys do for relationships? Help me. Now listen, we will help you. But listen, look around. There are lots of people here. Go and say, hi. My name is Stephen. Okay, if your name's not Stephen, please don't say it. It'd be really creepy. But go and introduce yourself. Invite them over for dinner. It'd be great to get to know you. Would you like to come over and have a meal with us and our family? Or do you want to just grab a cup of coffee sometime? It's really not that difficult. Relationships is something that we should be able to just step into. And it's what God is challenging us to do is that this shouldn't be something that's so formalized and we've got to now have all the structure around it. We're going to do our bit as church leadership on how to, how to bring the, the format into place. But don't wait for us. There's nothing stopping you today. Just say, hey, I know your name, but we've never really connected beyond that. Why don't we just go and have a meal together? Is that too hard? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll have five people doing that at the end of this. <laughs> now, I want to I show you a little bit about how, how family and all these other areas actually link together. Because God makes this statement in 1 Peter 3 verse 7. He says, Husbands... In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. It's not talking about hierarchy here. It's talking about physically, okay? Mm -hmm. And as is with you, co-is, with you of the gracious gift of life. Oh, wow, wow. Look at this next part. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Oh, come on, Jesus, are you serious? You telling me that the way I treat my wife will determine how my prayers are heard? But I thought, God, that prayer was the pinnacle. And he's like, mm -hmm. You fought with your wife on the way to intercession set on 6 p.m. on Wednesday, and you're gonna pray for two hours? You're going to wonder why I am resisting your prayers because you're not willing to talk with your wife. So I'm sharing these things with you because God is taking us as a family on a journey, right? And I want all your prayers answered. So for some of you, it might mean you've got to get right with your spouse before you arrive at a prayer meeting. Ouch.
Look here in, what is this? Matthew 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Again, what it is that we have done is we have separated that somehow our worship to God is more important than how we treat people. I'm not diminishing our worship to God, but God himself says here, if you're gonna come and worship me and you arrive there and you remember that someone's got something against you, don't offer that gift. Leave it there, go and sort it out. Wow, that was a hush. Go and sort it out. Then come, worship me. I want us to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. That means that we should be naked and unashamed. That means that when we come here, that we are saying, God, touch my heart. But God, if there's any way that I'm treating people, my, my spouse, my kids, anything like that, that is all to you. And if you need me to address something, put it on my heart. Humble me that I would go and do this. Amen? Amen. This will take us to another level. You see, the problem is, is that we've had a waffle mentality. You go to the next slide. Is that, is that we, we like, I know, I know, having come here, you Americans really love your waffles. You know, now, I mean, like, waffle and chicken? I mean, are you serious? I'm like, like, what's up with that? I'm just like, we'll have waffle and ice cream, that's about it. You know, you guys are like trying everything. Anyway, let's not get distracted. So, so we like to compartmentalize everything. So, so even, even when we talk about the pillars, it's like, well, this is the pillar here. This is the pillar here, this is the pillar here, and this is the pillar here. Now, for simplicity's sake, we've done that. But what I'm trying to show you is that actually in God's kingdom, it's more like spaghetti. That his presence is tied up in prayer, in family. That you can't have his presence without the prayer. And you can't have family without prayer. You can't have any of these things actually without them weaving together. Amen? And this is what we're going after. And so we never the person, oh, he's the prayer person. Oh, that's the, that's the, that person over there is the presence person. Oh, that's the family. Oh, come on. No, no, no. It's all of it. We're the spaghetti people. And actually, <laughs> and actually, if you go and research the difference between Greek culture and Hebrew culture, is that the Greeks were the ones who think waffles. They're the ones who think compartmentalized. The Hebrew culture never sees things like that. They see it all. And so we're reading because that's where our Western culture comes from. We come from a Greek culture 
descendants. And so when we read the Bible, we read with that mindset and God's actually like, no, no, that's not actually how I see things. I see things in spaghetti form. Hallelujah. Let's go and enjoy our waffles afterwards. So when I pursue God, that looks like me pursuing God in church. It means I'm pursuing God in my city, my marriage, my family, my relationships, my workplace. I don't give a hierarchy. Amen? Because I've got to give an account to him in the workplace as much as I do in the family, as much as I do at church, as much as every area of my life. So if I'm accountable to him and I'm there to honor him and bring pleasure to him, then that means I take every single aspect of him into every single aspect of my life. Amen? There were times where, you know, for us as a family, God called both Jackie and I into ministry. And there were times where, where God said to her, you need to stay at home to be more with our kids for their schooling and where they were at. And it was really hard for her to step out because Jackie is a natural person who is passionate about ministry and people and God. If you know her, she's just, it's natural. It's phenomenal. Um, and for her to take that step was one whereby it was difficult for her. But for her, she understood, God, you calling me to this. And it's, it's not a lesser calling for her to be discipling our kids. And I think that we've got to break some of these mindsets where it's like, you know, being on the mission field, like that's the place to be, but being at home with your kids no, 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 let's, let's, let's rather, you know what, let's just be on the mission field. Why? Because so often that's where we get the recognition and it scratches that identity itch inside of us. And our family's going to hell if I can be that straight. But we're winning, we, we're winning the multitudes over here and so everyone's patting us on the back. I'm just, I'm trying to stir to get us to realign. What has God called you to? Be faithful to that. Be faithful to that. Amen? Now, it doesn't mean that family is like everything. So we're not in any way saying that everyone's supposed to just, you know, homeschool and you all step out and all of this. There's a sacrifice that comes because I've also seen where we've gone and we've, we've done this like switch out where now our families become the child-centered families. And I'm like, huh? Where do you get that from? That's not in scripture either. Because there are times where God's like, you need to do something that's gonna cost you something and it's gonna cost your kids something. How many of you know that if we sat down, I've got four kids, so Jackie and I are outnumbered. So if we were to have a democratic vote in our house about whether we're gonna do things, we would probably be at theme parks every day. How many of you know that when God called us to come to the U.S., there was a cost to that? I brought our kids on the journey of asking them to pray into it, to talk about it. But at the end of the day, it wasn't their decision. I love my kids, and they're sitting here listening. 
and they did have an input, and I listened to their input, but it was Jackie and I that God spoke to, and we are the leaders of the home. And sometimes we got to recognize that, that to love our kids doesn't mean that we bow to our kids. I don't know why I'm going this route. I'm like, oh my goodness. Matthew 19, verse 29. Everyone who has left houses, brothers, or sisters, or father or mother, or wife or children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, I'm reading that scripture and I'm like, well, leaving houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mother, wife, children, list goes on. How many of you know that hurts? I'm saying it because following Jesus is going to cost you something. And when we bring our kids on that journey, we say, listen, we, we literally as a family, we wept individually and as a family in the process of us leaving. It was one of the hardest decisions we've ever had to make. And I'm not, to make. And I'm not saying that to get your sympathy. But this is scripture. So whatever journey you're on, follow him. Now I want to touch in the second half about marriage. Hallelujah. And as I said, this is not just for the married people. But we're going to have some fun. Next year, I will be married to Jackie for 20 years. The fun part about being married like that is you can start dreaming about what you're going to do for your 20th anniversary. That's just crazy to think like 20th anniversary <laughs> blows your mind. But uh, uh, let, let me, oh man, I was going to do it with a chocolate. I don't have a chocolate. Who here has been married longer than 50 years? <laughs> do we have, do we have? <laughs> how, how many years? 59 years. That is amazing. Respect. Come on. I think we, we have to honor people that have gone before us and walked the journey. There, there's so much wisdom in a couple like that. 59 years of being married. It really is something we've got to just honor. Um, but I really want to say, guys, Marriage is something to be celebrated. It's something to be celebrated. I love my wife. I don't, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that. I think she's awesome. I think she's the best thing that has happened to me besides my salvation. Amen. And I'm, I'm just going to call it. I, I'm like, that's how it is. And, and for some of you, that makes you uncomfortable because maybe you can't say that. And, and I... And I'm like, do I hold back? I'm like, no, no. For some of you, you've gone through divorces. And I'm like, how do I speak about marriage in an environment where some of you marriage has had a distaste in your mouth and has been hurt in the process? I wanna say, I'm sorry. 
But I also can't hold back from what I feel God wants to do in ministering into marriages. And I hope that, I hope that in some way healing can come that maybe God has a better marriage for you that's going to come in line with that. And so I want to speak hope over that, that if you are divorced, that God's able to do that. I also want to declare hope that if your marriage is not at a place where it's been a place of struggle, that God can turn things around. That, that when I preach some of the stuff and I speak about some of the keys, it's not, it's not to say that this is like that Jackie and I have this perfect marriage. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. But I can tell you that there's a place where you can enjoy your marriage, where you can love your spouse, where coming home is not a bad thing. You actually enjoy spending time as a family. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want that for all of you. I really do. And I believe God wants it too. Why? Because when he instituted marriage, that's what he had in mind. We were having a, um, it was actually our life Bible school uh, sort of uh, leadership team. And we were sitting in our lounge and, and Tommy and Debbie, you know, I love, I love this couple. They were like the wisdom. Like the rest of us were like these young bucks. We were all talking. Tommy and Debbie just sat on the couch quietly. Have you ever had one of those people? And then they open their mouth and everyone just goes quiet. And they just say like one sentence and everyone else feels like fools. It's like, what have we been talking about? Like the wisdom. But, but Tommy just made this statement. He said, you know what? It's easy to be married if you love your spouse. I was like, hmm, that's deep. But if you love your spouse, as Christ loves the church, if you love your spouse, as 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about, then it becomes easier. How many of you know that God calls us to a place of dying to ourselves? I thought I was a nice guy until I got married. <laughs> Honestly, I thought, hey, I've got it together. I'm, I'm a pretty decent bloke. And then I got married and your wife becomes like a mirror. And suddenly she's there every day. She doesn't leave. She's there when I'm having my bad moments. She's there first thing in the morning when I'm tired and grumpy. And she'll let me know about it. And so, you've probably never heard this preached, but marriage is God's greatest discipleship tool to make you die to yourself. After about two years, I thought, I'm getting this. And then I had my first child. And then God decides, I think he's got a sense of humor. He's like, I'm going to take away your sleep. Let's see how you do now. And there was a side of Stephen that came out that I'd never seen before. And what I'm getting at is that God will take you on this journey. Whether it's marriage, family, it's going to be a place of celebration. It's a place of joy. But it's also a place whereby if you're not willing to die to yourself, it'll become a source of frustration. It's about your posture in the process. Are you willing to die? <laughs> So, so the first part I want to start is for all you single people out there. Point number one, 
Put correct foundations into your marriage before your wedding day. How many, of you have you, how many of you have heard the phrase, when you marry a person, you marry their family? Mm -hmm. I see a lot of married people like, yeah, mm -hmm. you just see the one I married into. Mm -hmm. Here, here's another truth. Here's another truth. When you marry a person, you marry their past. Mm -hmm. I see a couple of married people like, yeah, yeah. That's a reality. And I think it's important for us to understand that for a couple of reasons. It's not saying that we avoid people because of their past. Some of you have heard it, and Jackie will probably share it. Jackie had quite a past. And she shared with me when we were going out before we got married, and I looked at her and I'm like, but that's not the Jackie I know. It's like I couldn't even compute that what she was sharing with me is who she is, the woman that I see in front of me. Okay, but I will also tell you that it doesn't mean that there weren't times where what she went through in her past showed up at some point in our marriage. And it just means we have to be aware of it. And I'll start to say, I didn't have issues that I had to bring in. So, so let me clarify something on that front. Right, Jackie's there. Mm. So, so I think part of what I'm saying is that for, for you single people out there, start working on your marriage now. What that means is get healing now. Start going to those places now. Don't wait until you're married. You can work on your marriage now in the place that you're in. Amen? Number one, live lives now that honor your future spouses. And what I mean by that is I tell, I tell our kids, Treat, treat a kid of the opposite gender as you would if your husband was standing right there. Because you want to honor your future spouse, even where you're at today. Amen? I've touched on number two, do what you can to address past hurts. Number three, have the proper conversations ahead of time. And what I mean by that is that if you're going to get married to someone, is God in this? Is God in this? Guys, why, why do we have a problem with asking that question when it comes to marriage? When someone's asking you about a job situation, they're willing to pray about, is God in this? But when it comes to their marriage, it's like, no, don't, don't bring God into this. No, God needs to be in this. He needs to be slap bang in the middle of it because I have seen too many people who when we're talking with them and they're struggling in their marriage, one of the key things they say to me is they say, we knew when we said I do that it wasn't God. But by the time you say I do, it's too late because God sees that as a covenant and he's like, well, you said I do. It's done. Amen. So if you're in that situation, now you've got to come back to God and say, well, God, before you, it's a covenant, and he can turn it around. Amen, in his hands. Okay, for the married people, number one, be willing to acknowledge where you're at. You can't run a race if you don't know where the starting line is. Acknowledge where your marriage is at. Number two, soften your heart. 
if there's a theme I've learned about this church in the last eight months, it's this area. Die to yourself, soften your heart. I'm like, like the altar call every week. Die to yourself, soften your heart. It's like bring your heart before God. And it's good. And I tell you what, if you take that into your marriage, your marriages will be very different. Look at, look at this scripture that Jesus brings up here. Matthew 19, verse 3 to 8. The Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Look at Jesus' response. He said to them, because of your hardness of hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And Jesus gives us an insight into divorce. He says divorce is due to a hardness of heart. Now, there might be an affair that happens, but the reason the affair has probably happened is because before the affair happened, there was a hardness of heart somewhere along the lines. You're not communicating with each other because there's a hardness of heart somewhere along the lines. And I honestly believe that if we as couples would get on our knees and say, God, would you change my heart in this process that we would see marriages turn around? I can't remember who it was. It might have been you, bro, that uh, was talking with me about um, like if a, if a couple comes to, was it you? I, well, you can tell me in a moment. But a couple will come to a pastor, whether it's her, and the pastor would say, before I do any counseling, go away and pray as a couple together. Was it you? Take, take the credit, bro. Take the credit. <laughs> and I think it's brilliant because so often we want man's advice and God's like, you haven't even come to me yet. Let him soften your heart in that process because through that he can guide you into what it actually looks like. Humble yourself. Number three, communicate. And all the women said? You just don't have to communicate so much. Can we please just edit that out? Did I just say that? I just like, mm. Yeah, come on. No, yes. 86% of divorced couples say that the reason they got divorced is due to lack of communication. Now, if I was to tell you that when you left here, you have a choice of driving on the road to the right or you have a choice of driving to the road on the left, but... 86% chance that the road on the left will collapse as you drive over it, how many of you would go right? So if 86% of marriages are falling apart because of communication, do you not think we should just take a moment and look at how we're communicating with each other? It's key. And the reason why communication is such a hard thing is only about 7% of what we communicate is actually out of the mouth. It's body language. It's that look. We all know that look from our spouse. Okay? Both good and bad. 
I can be sitting in the opposite side of the room. Jackie can look at me, and I know what she's thinking. <laughs> now, why do you guys think that that's a bad thing? I'm like, I mean, I did get that look now when I made that comment. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Told you we're going to have some fun. Genesis 2, verse 25. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God is actually wanting us in our marriages to be at a place where we can be vulnerable and naked with each other and not be ashamed. Where you can share who you are, that's his desire. Where you can be yourself. They always say that home is that place you can come and just put your feet up and be yourself. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about us having a nudist colony here. It's talking about the fact that we need to be vulnerable with each other and not be ashamed in the process. Now, here's how communication works, both good and bad. You get healthy communication, which looks like this. I will show you a part of me. You accept me. I can trust you. The relationship strengthens, and I'll open up more. And as I open up more, I'll show you more of me. You accept me. I can trust you. The relationship strengthens. And this is the healthy cycle of what God wants in relationships, right? So that's why when you've been married for a year, that's great. But when you've been married for 10 years, 20 years, 59 years, you know, you've got into the place whereby you've lived lives together and your spouse has accepted you. Therefore, your trust in them has grown. The relationship strengthens and you open up more. This is God's design. Amen? Now, the opposite is also true. I can show you part of me you reject me, I can't trust you, I put up a wall and I close up. And therefore I carries on. Is that maybe I, maybe I won't show you as much of me, but the part I show, you still reject, I can't trust you. That's why guys, I just wanna, I just wanna say this, I'm not totally against it, but, but one of the things that, that I'm concerned about with the whole dating culture is that a dating culture can actually set up this in people's lives. Because you get used to opening myself up to someone, they ultimately reject me, therefore I start to distrust people, I put up walls, and suddenly my spouse comes along and I've got a wall up the size of China, and I'm not willing to open up. So, for some of you who are married, this has happened. And the great thing is, is that God will come into the middle of it and say, let's change it. And it might not be that the first time you communicate is you're willing to open up everything because you have been hurt. But it might be that you start by just opening up a little. And as you feel you can be trusted, as you feel that you're accepted, you'll open up a little bit more. But it also takes the other side of the spouse to be willing to accept, to be willing to hear you out, to be willing to not judge you. That's what Christ looks like. That's why he says that we need to love our spouses as Christ loved the church. Because how many of you know, if we can go back to the healthy one, that when we come to God and we show him part of us, he accepts us. And I'm talking about when we ask for forgiveness, he accepts us. Therefore, we trust him. Therefore, my relationship with Jesus strengthens, I'll open up more. And there's this healthy dynamic that happens in my relationship with God. So we need to start modeling this with our spouse. Don't push them away when they open up. Don't belittle them when they open up. 
you do that, it's to your own detriments because they'll close up and then you wonder why your spouse is distant from you. It's because you're the one who's created the walls. Amen? Is there another page? Am I missing a page here? I think there's one more. Yes, the next one. Fight right. This is part of... So... We've all been there, hallelujah. We are all going to have arguments, disagreements. It's, it's about doing it right. James 1 verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If we only live this in our marriages. Ephesians 4 verse 26 and 27, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. When you go to bed angry and you have not talked things out, according to scripture, you give the place of the devil into your marriage. So have the parameters in place. Put the things, we will not go to sleep until we've talked about this and forgiven each other. That is one of the hardest parameters that we put into our marriage. And it meant that at two o'clock in the morning, Jackie and I are still having a go at each other. And the only thing that got me to finally succumb and humble myself is I'm like, if I'm going to get any sleep tonight, <laughs> I'm being honest. But I was not willing to go to sleep because I knew the scripture. In fact, there have been a couple of times. And when I wake up the next day, it's like there's this rage inside of me. I'm just being honest. There's something about when you go to sleep and you haven't dealt with something the night before, the next day you wake up and it's like, deal with it the night before. Have parameters. Jackie and I said we'll never leave the house and drive away. We had this one fight and uh, I could see she was heading towards the car. So I ran down to the gate. I closed the gate. I padlocked the gate. I'm like, you're not leaving. This was the agreement on how we're going to do things. She started driving towards the gate. <laughs> and I'm just like, she's not listening to those parameters. I don't know what's up with her. I unlocked that gate as quickly as I could or else I'm having a bad day. The gate is broken. The car's messed up and I got the gates open. She drove off. We just sorted out, but you're not fighting against each other. You're fighting for something. You're fighting for your marriage. Lastly, date your spouse. Spend time with your spouse. Why do we stop dating our spouses? It's like before, before we got married, we go on dates, all of those who get married, it's like, we forget it. Date your spouse. Go and have fun together. So, and then last one, this is where I want to end it with. Put God at the center. If you go to the next slide, this is what a healthy marriage looks like. Where God is the pinnacle. And you see, what happens is, is that as a husband pursues God and as a wife pursues God, notice what happens to them. They get closer to each other. Put him at the center. Put his word at the center. Because then when you're struggling with stuff, when you're going through stuff, well, what is he saying? God, what are you saying? Amen? And so this is what I want to do. Is I actually want to pray for married couples. 
And we just want to bless them. We were chatting about it, uh, you know, before the service. We want to bless you. And, and we're not, I'm not going to lead you. This isn't a vowel taking ceremony, all of that sort of stuff. If you, if you feel led to do that, do that. But I want to invite you to come and for you as couples to do it together. I'm not even going to lead you in it. I actually felt like God saying, let it be from your heart that you pray together. And we'll just have, we'll have a couple of the ministry team come around and all they're gonna do is they're not gonna interrupt you. We just want them to come and bless. Bless marriages, why? Because marriages were his idea, amen? And so we're asking God, God, would you just come and bless every married couple here? And so, you know, we can, we can spread out around here. There might be more married couples than the altar can take. We can spread a little bit up on the sides there. And the ministry team, if you want to go around, don't disturb anyone. Let it, between the, let it be between the husband and the wife. But just go, just lay hands and bless them. And can I ask this? Can I ask that if you're not in a rush somewhere, that you stay here and just pray for our couples? The enemy's going after marriages. And if you're able to stay here, just stay for a moment, stretch your hand towards them and bless them. We'll probably have some music on and that sort of thing. But let's bless our couples today. So if you're a couple, don't you want to come to the front and we want to pray with you. I also know that there are some people here who your spouse is not here for whatever reason. You're welcome to come up and stand proxy or you're welcome to do this when you get home. Share with, share with your spouse a little bit and just say, look, can we pray together for this? Um, you're welcome to watch it online together, but, but it's more about you doing it together. So I'm aware that there's some of us, we don't have our spouses here. Um, but Father, we just thank you. Thank you for these amazing, amazing marriages. And Father, we love the fact that even you equate your relationship with us like that of a bridegroom with his bride. You love every single one of these marriages, God. And Father, we pray that where there's been hurt, where there's been times of hopelessness, God, where there've been things where the enemy has tried to come in, would you bring your healing? Would you touch them? In Jesus' name. So I want, I want you as a couple, if you're here with your spouse, I want you just to pray together. If there's something that you know you need to recommit to God, you've, you've been listening and it's like, you know what, babes, we've, we've let this area go and you need to just say, let's, let's recommit to God in that area. I want you to do that now.